This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. And now, on with the show. Hey everyone, welcome to... We're watching here! We're watching here! This is Opinionated Movie Talk with Chris and Perry. My name is Chris Williams. With me, he is the Duncan Idaho to my Paul. <laughs> Perry Seibert. <laughs> All right. Okay. I can live I with just, that. I just love that Dune is this movie that has all these names like Duncan Idaho, Johnny, Lito Atreides. <laughs> and then like the two main characters are Paul, Paul and Jessica. Jessica. Yeah. You know, easier to remember in the long run. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, so we are actually we were going to originally start our Robert Altman series this week. Um, I couldn't get around to mash just yet, but also I think it's kind of nice to take a little palate cleanser between between our seventies series and diving back into the seventies to talk about some new releases. And as we talked about on the last podcast, Perry, you've been going back to the movies recently quite a bit. I have. I've been I've been going back quite a bit too. So we're going to talk about three. Well, two new releases, one which was out earlier this year, but I think is worth talking about. We're talking Dune, Pig, and The French Dispatch. I'm looking forward to getting into those, but Perry, first, what have you been watching that maybe I have not? Well, I will, uh, I will, I will go to the small screen, Chris, with a couple of interesting, uh, uh, some interesting family watches. Uh, so I, I think we've talked about this before. One of the streamers I don't do is Hulu. I don't have a Hulu account, but my wife and I found ourselves uh, alone for a weekend at home. And we thought, well, we should probably find something to watch. And our tastes aren't totally divergent, but they're not similar. And so finding something that we both haven't seen that we're both interested in seeing is sometimes is sometimes uh, tricky. So when we started banding around possibilities, because my wife keeps a list of shows she wants to start watching, I went, oh, yeah, I would do that. But we don't get a Hulu. Let's take a look. All right, let's do the free 30 days. We're probably going to cancel it at the end of this month, but we have two episodes left and only murders in the building. Oh, yes. Yes. <laughs> Which uh, my wife is enjoying tremendously. Uh-huh. I, I like it. I think it's very good. I, I, I'm, I'm happy to watch it. Uh, I, I, I will withhold judgment until those final two episodes. <laughs> Okay. I wanted, I would like to see what the big picture is before fully committing here. But other than this, I'm absolutely going to watch them and am interested. And when it's good, it's very good. And it reminds me that as likable as Martin Short is, really, he's a sketch actor. I can only take him in small doses. <laughs> uh, Martin Short's uh, willingness to be uh, humiliated is, is, is too much for me. <laughs> Uh, on occasion comedically so uh i i as much as i love martin short and i do uh you know i i I much prefer him on sctv and saturday night live than in movies and i think that's true across the board or if he is in a movie that first father of the bride movie where he's just there for a little while yeah (laughs) yeah i can see that we actually a few years ago it was the night of my 20th uh high school reunion we skipped it to go see Martin Short and Steve Martin perform live. That was uh, great. Oh, yeah. it, it was fantastic. And yeah. I, I think that's how I feel about Martin Short too, though. Like he would come out periodically and do a little song and vamp a little bit and then he'd go back. And that yes. was like the right amount of Martin Short. And Yeah, I don't yeah. want him to take, I don't want him to act in the way I use that word. <laughs> mm-hmm. He is not believable. <laughs> And that you can use that. That's not inherently a bad thing, but I, I, I find the film of uh, the series way more interesting when dealing with Steve Martin's character's issues. Yeah. Uh, you know, you can, Amy Ryan is as good as it gets. You don't, you can't do better than Amy Ryan as, as an actor. And so she anchors a lot of that and all of their stuff together is really wonderful and well-played and, and beautifully done. We are a little further than you back on that. I think we're, are we five episodes in? I think we're five episodes in. It's, it's one of those shows we kind of had some other shows we had to get through first. Um, 
If you haven't gotten around to um, what we do in the shadows, the TV show that is on Dean's list and we will okay. get to it. Yes. It is. It is fantastic. And we've been finishing that up, but um, I, I really like only murders in the building. I have to admit that when I saw that Steve Martin and Martin short, were going to do a TV show. I kind of assumed it would just be this frivolous, silly thing um, because their stage show is very old fashioned and very, uh, you know, old, old time showy. And yes. I thought that would be the tone of this. And I was surprised how uh, he, he, there's there's a little bit of emotion to this that I didn't really expect going in. It's very stylistic. Um, I'm not the world's biggest Selena Gomez fan, and I don't think this is totally changing that for me. Uh, but I don't I don't totally dislike her. There's just something about her line readings that I will say this. So she is of the perfect age where she was one of the Disney stars when my kids were heavy Disney show, Mm -hmm. Disney channel watchers. And she is the only one of that era who to me, even at the time, wasn't a robot. Like I thought at least she's got some, there's a life in those eyes because there isn't in Demi Lovato, uh, uh, Hannah Montana, any of them. They're they're awful. They're across the just terrible, terrible performers. We'll get into that later with Dune. But I really liked, uh, she was the only one who was like, all right, she might actually have a career. She seems like she actually has a life outside of this and knows something and doesn't just want to be this. Not that dating Bieber for a while helped that image. But she seems to put that behind her and is doing some really smart choices now. (laughs) And I enjoy her on the show. She's fun. Yeah, she's not a world beater, but she's good. And she's very funny with them. She holds her own with them. Yes. yes. And there is something that it's funny that you mentioned she's not robotic. That is something about her line readings, which to me always. And I, I, I'm assuming that's a choice. I haven't I don't know if I've seen her in anything else now that I think about it. Uh, it's so quite possible you have not. Yeah. Um, but uh, I, I mean, just even just having Steve Martin back on the screen makes me happy. He hasn't yes. been anything in years. I'm always, always happy for Steve Martin to get work. Uh, Amy Ryan, Sting. Um, Sting is you know, wonderful. Yes. Glad, glad we have Sting. Glad Nathan Lane shows up in a very kind of restrained role, uh, at least so far. <laughs> I don't know if he comes back, but um, yeah, I'm, no I'm glad you're watching this. That, that, that is a, uh, that's a fun show. I, I enjoy that, and I'm looking forward to finishing that in the coming weeks. How about you? What have you been watching, oh. Chris? Um, well, I think I mentioned last month I was going through a bunch of Halloween stuff. Um, so I did finish that up. You can read all about it at my newsletter that I'm sure I will pimp at the end of this podcast. Um, but spoiler alert, I did go see the, I did see the dead zone, which I loved uh, oh, good. And, and wrote that up. Uh, so good. Did some other slasher movies, was not as much of a fan of some of those. But on Halloween night, my uh, my son, he's been bothering me to watch something really scary. And he's nine. So that actually is kind of a tough order. Yes. Not because, not because there's nothing that will scare him, but the things that would scare him would turn him off scary movies. Like, if right. you do that wrong. Um, so I try to gravitate towards things that are maybe a little sillier or a little more adventurous. Uh, this year, I was going to do The Mummy, the 1999 Mummy, um, because I'm like, he likes Raiders of the Lost Ark. There's some gross stuff in this. Maybe he'll like that. Uh, but then he reminded me that last year we had done Gremlins, and he loved Gremlins. So he Ooh, found- All right. He can handle a scare then. He can. Um, but he reminded me that there's a Gremlins too. And he started asking. But his New thing batch. was- I want to be really scared. Let's watch Gremlins 2. And I know in my head, if we watch Gremlins 2, that is pure Looney Tunes. But uh, I decided to do it anyway because I kind of wanted to see Gremlins 2 again. <laughs> and I think I, I thought that was about the line of what he would dig. Like there's enough monster stuff, but it's very silly. Um, before watching it late at night, he's going to be okay. And did that movie play like gangbusters with him? Um, he was totally on board he was cackling the entire thing uh it had been about gosh probably 20 years since i've seen it It, it, like it had been a long time um but i knew enough like you've seen the key and peel sketch i'm sure where yes they, they talk about it and they talk about how ridiculous it is that there's all these different gremlins i had forgotten that that sketch does not even scratch the surface of how bonkers this movie is um especially if you've watched gremlins in the recent past which plays things 
kind of down the middle. Like it's silly, but it's also it's got some scary stuff. It's got you know some serious emotion in there. It's yes. very much tapping into a Christmas vibe. And this just feels like it's Joe Dante, like giving a middle finger to the entire thing. And yes, I, I adore that. It is so silly and funny. Um, it, it's like watching a Zucker Brothers movie back when they were good. Um, like it, it's just, it's a joke a minute. It's, yeah. It's a better Looney Tunes movie than the Looney Tunes movie that Joe Dante actually went on to make. Yes. Um, it, it's just so silly. It's it's just scene after scene of riffing on other movies, finding what absurd thing they can toss a gremlin into. And I want to say it like stops short of having like Tweety Bird sound effects and stuff, but it doesn't. They're in there. Um, so it's just <laughs> such a weird movie and so much fun. I just I loved it. I think I like it better than the first one, actually. Um, well, yeah, it's an easier film to like. It's it. Yeah, I'll, it's I, I respect the heck out of the first one. I actually think it's a, mm-hmm. it's a really good movie. Oh, I did grow and it's yeah. it's. You know, John Joe Dante walks a very, very, very careful line and doesn't always stay on it, but uh, allows himself to go over that line with Gremlins too, and it's a lot of fun. It is, yeah. I, 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 I just had a great time with that one. I followed it up with a Nightmare on Elm Street three, and it's a Nightmare on Elm Street three. I don't even need to say anything more. Oh, it's fine. Dream it's, Warriors. It's fine. Come on, it's, that's it's the second best of the Nightmare movies. Is, yes, yes, it is. Um, it's the watched, only other good one. It's <laughs> I am partial to New Nightmare. I do like New Nightmare. Um, I've seen that forever. I should revisit that one. That, that one's a decent one. Okay, um, but no, I, I liked it. But it was also I, I think I, I don't know. Freddie might not be my thing. Um, you know, it, I, I I dug it. It was fine. But I also forgot about it uh, right after I was finished. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Which, no, by yeah, the way. That is a nice segue for us to talk about Dune. <laughs> it is. Uh, this is uh, Denny Villeneuve's um, big screen adaptation, a uh, very big screen adaptation of the uh, Frank Herbert novel. Uh, was previously made into a movie by David Lynch in 1984. Uh, I have not read the novel. I have not seen the previous movie. Oh, good. Um, this is so, good. You're yeah. the first I want to talk to you about this. Yeah. And, okay. So let's start because everyone knows what Dune is. It's actually made a surprisingly good amount of money. It's been pretty successful. Um, I will tell you that I walked into Dune kind of begrudgingly. Like I was not going to go see it. And okay. the reason why is because whenever anyone had talked to me about Dune, the big thing was, oh, they'll never make it into a movie. It is too impenetrable. It is too hard to follow. It's too complex. They'll never get it on the big screen. You won't understand a thing. There's so much going on. And it really made it sound like one of those really starchy sci-fi movies that I just have no interest in. Um, Like a really just kind of leaden fantasy type thing. And I was very pleasantly surprised to find, yeah, I followed what was going on pretty well. I mean, it's a very very detailed story and detailed very. world that they carry out, but the yes. broad arcs are there. You can follow, you can follow the story uh, pretty well. And um, yeah, I had a decent time with this. I, I'm glad I saw it on a big screen. I don't know that it would have played for me on HBO. Um, I, I think this is a movie that benefits from a big screen uh, with theater kind of rattling sound. So you can see all the big spaceships and the sense of scale. And this is really cool. And you know, it kind of covers up from the fact that there's not a ton of emotion to hang on to. Um, yeah. And that the story is, you know, it's a hero's journey story when you get down to it. And maybe <laughs> for the first half. Or right when you skim across the top of it. Yes, yeah. it's, yeah. it's nothing it's, but. That's all it is. It's familiar, but it, it brought me to a new world. I, I thought the world was very tangible. I like spending time there. Um, I like Dune. I have not thought about Dune since I saw it in theater, but it is... <laughs> It was definitely a great experience to see while it played. So my question then is, uh, as someone who comes into this cult, and now and I, I will give my backstory. I had many friends who adored the Dune books in that universe, so I knew a lot about it. I tried to read the books many years ago and got thirty pages into the first one, and threw it across the room, and never wanted to pick mm-hmm. it up again. I, Herbert was a terrible writer who imagined this elaborate world, and that's what people love about it: is the world is detailed. 
mm-hmm. and and hard to do on film for that very reason. Um, and I know the Lynch film, so I I I know this this particular story and universe. I'm not going to say perfectly, but pretty well. I'm not. Okay. I was. I knew I would not be confused by the movie. What I wouldn't. What I couldn't tell. What I've enjoyed talking to people about is if you truly knew nothing, does it make any sense? Because it did to me, just fine. I I gotta believe. I I will. I will say this. Uh, not not to disagree with you that the intention is to see that on a big screen. Watching it at home with subtitles would be a help. I gotta believe because there are a lot of names and a lot of things that you are gonna need for later. <laughs> that will okay. land much better if you have read them and let them sink in that way. Um, but so my other question is then, so did it, do you think it has not stuck with you? And again, that's not an insult just to say you haven't thought about it because it doesn't end. Yes. Okay. I think that's what it is. Um, because when you're also bringing up watching it on a small screen, I, I kind of have gone back and forth where, yes, I'm glad I saw it on a big screen because I think, I think the way it works best is it's a sensory experience. It is a big movie meant to be seen on a big canvas. That's how Villeneuve intended it. You know, he said it would be like racing a speedboat in a bathtub to watch it on HBO Max. But there's another part of me that thinks, well, I wouldn't think that was fun. I, I mean, I'd love to do it. <laughs> I um, would too. Just as also a side note, in an interview earlier last year, I think Villeneuve confessed to watching Lawrence of Arabia on his iPhone. So um, he doesn't have much Screw room to that talk guy. about that. But uh, <laughs> there, there is a, portion, a part where I feel like maybe you wouldn't be missing something if you watched it on TV, because to me, it did feel like the pilot episode for a very expensive HBO series. Yes. Because it very much is not a complete story. Like it just kind of ends and it ends at a point that I thought made sense for Paul, the main character. Like agreed. It would have been, you know, it would have been an episode closer at that pilot. That's where you'd end the pilot. You can continue the story, but I do think it ends on a point where there's not a ton going on emotionally, um, it actually ends with a fight between characters we haven't, you know, one of them we haven't met. And it's a lot more small scale than anything else that has happened in the film. And it hinges on him meeting characters who we've only kind of glimpsed in the uh, the Calvin Klein ad that's like stitched through the whole movie. Um, and <laughs> well, I wish we on. had that's, seen. That describes all of Villanue's <laughs> look. Come on. He's, and no director does more to be Ridley Scott in every way, good and bad, than that dude. <laughs> There's a reason he got to make the Blade Runner. Okay. There's a reason he made Blade Runner 2046. It's it's just, yeah. But yeah, I mean, I think that's why it hasn't stuck with me is I never had that moment where I felt like, I know we're going to disagree on this movie series. So, but but it's the best, um, it's the best example I can give. I have never been able to get through um, the Lord of the Rings books. Um, Yeah, neither. I've tried reading Tolkien. It's a lot of singing. It's a lot of walking. Um, I've gotten about halfway through the two towers and just kind of gave up. And yes, I, you know, I know he's got a lot of fans and a lot of his fans are my friends. And I feel bad saying that, but I think there is a certain sense in which fantasy writing isn't always for me. It's just not my thing. Yes. Um, I'm reading the dark tower right now. I really enjoy those, but um, I think there's a little bit more going on than that. The Lord of the Rings movies. I can remember almost to the day, 20 years ago, sitting in a theater, watching Fellowship of the Rings, getting to the end and being so pissed off when it ended, not because I was upset that, the, that I didn't like the movie. I was upset that I had to wait another year to find out what happened. <laughs> um, like, that's how invested I was in that story, in those characters, in that world. Like, I was, I was all in from that. With Dune, it ended, and I'm like, yeah, okay, I'll see the next one. But I don't, you know, I'm not sitting there on pins and needles wondering what happens to Paul. And Sure. Um, I think that's why it's kind of evaporated. Uh, you know, and that might speak to whether the movie's good or bad or maybe just the consequences of telling a story like that that doesn't end, um, which I also think is probably part of its benefit, why I was able to follow it, because I could see if you crammed a whole giant story into this world into one movie it would probably be pretty incomprehensible um which i'm assuming the lynch movie is that's what i've heard the the, the great story about the lynch movie is he makes the movie 
they screen it. They realize nobody can understand what's going on. And so they basically force one of the actresses to record a bunch of explanatory voiceover stuff. Okay. And they thread that into the movie and it made it less comprehensible to people. Oh <laughs> like that's, that's how bad the it's, and it's not bad. Let's be really clear. Lynch is Dune. You know, it, it fails. I say that as, as, as weakly as I possibly can, but it's fascinating and you won't forget it. Okay. <laughs> like, like it's, it, uh, I remember Pauline Kael's review was uh, David versus Goliath. That was the title of the review because it was David Lynch taking on this massive work mm-hmm. that is absolutely, yes, I'm sorry. Some books absolutely are unfilmable. And I'm not saying that Dune is unfilmable. They filmed it. But they've had to shave and streamline a lot to get there. Yeah. <laughs> and they would have to no matter what, because I don't even know if they get the second movie made. And I assume they would. I don't know why they wouldn't. This is going to make enough money where I'd assume that they would make sure the second one happened. Oh, yeah, they agree. Let it. I don't know how much more they can or want to do. There are so many books. So many books. <laughs> I don't know what the appetite for that is after this so you know I, I wouldn't i would actually encourage you to at least turn the lynch one on okay you know get, check it out because you'll know from the beginning wow you won't believe it's david lynch and okay. then everyone's going to be like oh yeah okay yeah oh yeah <laughs> especially since it was only lynch's third feature it, you know he, he, he's coming off the elephant man and after that goes to blue velvet where because he learned from Dune what he did not want to do, <laughs> he learned it well. So few good directors learn what they're supposed to for making a movie like that. Lynch <laughs> did, uh, yeah, yes. Uh, this this movie succeeds in every way that Lynch's film fails, but it's not nearly as interesting as the Lynch film. <laughs> yeah, I I think that might be the other thing like i again i was watching it totally on board i i don't regret seeing it i will see whatever they do for part two i think i was a little disappointed because i think everyone had painted this picture of you've never seen anything like this you've never you know this story is something you haven't heard before i'm like i've i've seen this story before yes um i've been to these worlds before guess what i've been to these worlds before and the people were allowed to smile um, no one in this movie, aside from Jason Momoa, cracks a smile yeah. for the entire thing. And I, I like Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings movies. I understand people can have their issues with them, and that's all fine. The characters had a sense of humor and warmth to them. I, I like the way that I'm not going to defend the Hobbit movies at all, but uh, I, you know, I, the characters had warmth and a little bit of humanity, and this doesn't uh have a lot of that which is a villeneuve thing he's very yes. he's very Ridley Scott. not a fan of emotion um but i i, I dug it um it, it made me think of what we said with uh no time to die which is you can get a lot of mileage out of actually going out and filming in a place that uh is not a parking lot um yeah because the settings in this the sand planet and everything looks amazing and it's very tactile this whole world looks lived in. I enjoyed that. Um, I enjoyed the big sandworms, um, although I don't understand why they hardly showed them. Um, I think everything they showed about the sandworms, I saw in the trailers. But uh, yeah, it, it's good. Um, I wish I had had more Dave Bautista or Oscar Isaac. You, you get a lot of that character in the Lynch movie. Okay, There's a lot more of the Harkonnens in the Lynch movie. And okay. it's where... He, I mean, not only do you get, you know, the Baron, who is one of the great, disgusting creations of Lynch's career, you get Sting in winged underwear. And really, what more could I say to make you want to watch Dune? That, wow, they should have just put him in that in uh, Only Murders in the Building. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the one thing, something I thought I appreciated, though, too, was all the different, I don't know what that, the factions, the families. I, I appreciated that Villeneuve gave them a distinctive look um yes so that i could tell them apart that was very helpful in guiding me through a lot of the like impenetrable stuff was uh oh okay well this is the space witch she looks like a jedi and she's some sort of space witch it's Um, really easy is it a woman yes 
Are their eyes blue? Yes. Fremen. Are they a woman? Yes. Are their eyes blue? No. Bene Gesserit. That's it. That's the only women that exist in this world. Um, if they look like they're kind of from Star Wars and Halo put together, they're the good guys. Uh, <laughs> the bad guys look like maybe something from, I don't want to say Mad Max, but they're wearing black. They're bad. If they look like Aquaman, good guy. Yes. Yes. So, and if his name is Duncan Idaho, good guy. That's a and if they old. are Javier Bardem, pay attention. So happy that he showed up at the end. I had no idea that was coming. I was like, yes, if you're going to give me windy monologues, give me an actor yes. and deliver them. Oh, thank God for this. Yes. Thank you, Javier Bardem. Come on along. Um, it, it did not sell me on the appeals of Timothy Chalamet. Um, oh, I already find him appealing. Okay. So. I, I don't know why he, I, he's not way at uh, any Redmayne levels for me um, where oh. Redmayne shows up and I'm just kind of like okay I'm done uh, except for uh, Charles Chicago 7 which I yep like. that's his only yep that's the only good one but uh, Timothy Bad. Chalamet he's, he's, he's good with My Week with Marilyn I, I like that okay. movie and he's good it's he, he gets to be overshadowed by everybody else so he's very good but uh, <laughs> I, I think I always see him looking ready to burst into tears in every frame of Les Miserables and uh when it oh, reasonable. Like he's, yeah, he's just going like, to cry over the entire audience the whole time. Uh, Timothy Chalamet, I, I don't know. I liked him in Call Me By Your Name. Um, but here, I don't know. He He's not given much more to do that I haven't seen in other movies, too, which is the problem. He's the chosen one. He's the straight and, man. Yes, he's yeah, the straight I, man chosen one. Yes. I've seen a lot of chosen one stories. Oscar Isaac, I will always show up for. Uh, absolutely. And yeah. yes, also very happy he's around for this. He makes things. He makes this better. So you watched this on HBO Max then, or did you I did? I did. I didn't feel the need to. I, I, I like I said, I've, I, I know this world already. I don't, I don't need the sensory experience of experience. I've already experienced it the way I'd want to experience it on a big screen. I don't need to see it again in that capacity. I was just curious how he would tell the story, and it's fine. It's yeah. fine. You know, as, as a lot of people I've talked to about it have been like, yeah, you know, it's kind of boring, but you don't lose it. And I was like, yep, that's because Dune's kind of boring. The book is boring in sections, is from what I understand. But then something pretty cool happens. So you hang around. And there's a lot of detail. Yeah. yeah. If you I, are into world building, this is a world you want to spend time in. If you care about how a story is told, <laughs> I find those books impossible to deal with. But this might be more to your taste. This is a bit more streamlined. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I think we said all we need to say on Dune. It's good. I would say so. Ish. It's fine. Yes. <laughs> yeah. People who like this sort of thing will find this to be the sort of thing they like. Yes. I'm I'm glad. I'm glad it seems to be finding an audience. Um, because it is a step above, you know, another comic book movie or something. It it you know, it's yes. something I haven't yes. you know, even visually it takes some chances. And I appreciate that. I appreciate that it's it feels a little bit more like sci-fi for grown-ups, sort of um visually oh very much so yeah i would i would say very much so and and so i want more of that i i you know i again i like a marvel movie but i like the chance this took i I like that i'd like to see more like this and And i like seeing the films that were delayed for a year and a half Mm -hmm. because of covid do really well yeah they finally come out that that's that's good so yeah yeah Yeah. and this had i think the best debut of any of the hbo max movies in theaters so no shock. I'd still like to know exactly what uh, what the settlement was that he was okay with this happening because he was the one that sued them okay. when they announced they were going to do this. I'm curious what cut he gets of what. I think it was also, oh yeah, we'll do part two, don't worry. Um, Maybe. They, they, well, they announced that last week. They've great greenlit it. Uh, okay. Part two. Um, and my hunch is they were always going to do it, but it got kind of free publicity to have a lot of fans crying out for part two. Sure. So, sure. That's Dune. There will be a part two. I'm sure we'll discuss it when it comes out. Uh, we're going to move on to a movie that won't get a part two, which is a shame because it's a delight. Uh, this, is a mo- <laughs> it's, this is not screaming for a part two. <laughs> it's not screaming for a part two. It's not a franchise movie by any it's, stretch of the imagination. As much as you might think it's the it's the hog version of Taken. It's, <laughs> there's no need for a Taken, for a, for a, for a pig two. It's just this. <laughs> this, is a, this is a movie that came out earlier this year and you had mentioned you saw it a few months back because I think yeah. I had offhand had mentioned that I should probably see it. And I didn't see it even after you saw it. And then I was sitting around last week and I'm like, I need to do start catching up on my 2021 movies. And 
that was sitting there in my Amazon queue. And I'm like, oh, I'll watch Pig. And um, I'm very, very, very happy I watched Pig, <laughs> which, uh, you know, we'll just cut to the chase. Might be in contention for my favorite movie of the year. Um, this is a movie. It, it, it's weird. I am, you know, when you think about the marketing for a movie, it, it shouldn't really come to play in your review. But I remember it being sold. The vibe I got was that it was Nick Wick, right? Like it's yeah, Nicholas Cage's pet pig gets stolen, and pardon the pun, he goes ham. Yeah. And you know, it, and, and if you had told me Nicholas Cage is starring in a movie where he kills a bunch of people who took his pig. I would not bat an eyelash because that sounds like something Nicolas Cage would star in. Absolutely. Because he absolutely has a type of movie people associate with him with. I think people also forget that Nicolas Cage can be called on to deliver some really solid, good performances. And I think Pig is among his best. Um, so this is a story about a man living in a shack. He uh, owns a truffle hunting pig. He sells the truffles to upscale Portland restaurant owners. Um, meth heads take his pig and he goes to get it back. And that is where I will leave you with the plot because from there, I think it turns into something that you don't necessarily expect. Indeed. Um, yeah. I mean, Perry, what did you think of pig? Pig is, you know, pig is surprise. I didn't, I found this, uh, you know, yes. With, with that tagline, I was like, well, here's a, another Nick Cage film I don't have to pay any attention to. And then the reviews started coming out mm-hmm. and I was like, Oh, you know, when Nicholas Cage tries, he's still really good. And yeah. he just doesn't try that much anymore. Really? I mean, I don't want to say he's lazy, but he doesn't challenge himself. And he's an actor who, who got bored. Mm-hmm. And I think is only doing things that he finds interesting. Uh, and what he finds interesting is not what I find interesting the vast majority of the time. <laughs> so this is, uh, yeah, this is a film that sneaks up on you. It You realize early on that this is not taken with a pig. This is something else. This is a character yeah. study. This is a really quiet, intimate character study. Uh, and what is so surprising is that as it ladles on, layers and layers of depth and meaning that works (laughs) yeah you just don't expect it to work that way and it does it is a it's an art house film yeah which you 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 don't expect for a variety of reasons and i will tell you what it put me in mind of about halfway through is the last time i went oh god man he can still do it when he gives a shit and has a script he can still do it and that was david gordon green's joe a film nobody okay. saw mm-hmm. that he is fabulous in. I mean, he's even better in that than he's in this, quite frankly, uh, because this is for for as as enjoyable as this is. You know, Cage gets I think it's four really big speeches in this movie. Like he doesn't talk, and then he gets four huge speeches. He gets his silent Bob moments. Yes, one of them is absolutely brilliant. And I, I do want to get into it a little bit later about mm-hmm. about that scene because I think it's I think it's a really interesting thing to talk about metatextually with him. Uh, two of them are okay. That's just Cage being Cage, and one of them is really bad, just just <laughs> pointless, just like oh, I think I think he thought it up that day on the set and they were kind and let him film it. I, it didn't feel like it needed to be there. It felt it served no purpose that I could see in the movie. Um, and then Adam Arkin shows up to hammer home the emotional weight of the movie beautifully mm-hmm. with a fantastic final sequence uh, that really pays off in ways you yeah. are surprised by. Yeah, it's it's a, it's a it's a great surprise movie. It's not going to be in my best of at the end of the year. I'm not going to go that far with oh, it. Oh, for shame! But <laughs> but it's really good. And it's, yes, I'm glad. I'm really glad you saw it, and I hope more people see it. Yeah, it's the thing is, is like I. I kept wanting to describe him as like a raw wound, Nicolas Cage in this, but he's not. He's like a numb wound, a n- numb yeah, nerve. Very much so. He is someone who has suffered loss. I mean, I think that's apparent early on in the movie. Yes. And he's just, he's kind of collapsed inward and found this like, but, but, and it's easy for people just to kind of play vacant and silent, but there's also this sense of acceptance that he's just kind of accepted 
this is what happened in life and I'm just going to move on not caring about things. And you can feel the weight of that. It's really, it's a movie about grief and yes, very much so what we choose to do with that when we lose things. And I really, I, I, I thought he was very powerful in that. Um, there's a moment, I think it's the very last scene in the movie, the last frame of the movie where something that was foreshadowed earlier finally clicked into place for me where it's like, Oh, that's why he did that. Oh, that's what this movie is about. Yeah. And I found myself very moved by that. Um, found some, it was getting a little dusty in the room. Um, I think there is a relationship he builds with Alex Wolf's character who plays his, um, his buyer. His truffle guy. Yeah. <laughs> and his middleman. Yeah. And I think that's a very tender, warm relationship that develops between them that doesn't go where you expect it and leads to final, uh, you know, I don't even want to call it the climax of the movie, but it's the final big sequence of the movie, which reminded me of all movies for this to remind me of. It reminded me of Babette's Feast. Uh, One of my all-time favorite movies. And and not just because there's food throughout this movie, but that is a movie about sacrifice and grace and things you've lost. And I did not expect the Nicolas Cage movie, Pig, to remind me of Babette's Feast. And I'm very thankful it did. It is way closer to Big Night than you might expect. Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, And I, I do think that that, so the, the the speech that works is the one in the restaurant, right? Yes, to, to his former his former employee. I'm trying yes. I'm trying not to be too spoilery here, yes. but let's just say that Nicholas Cage delivers this monologue to this very uh, very of the moment popular chef uh, that basically cuts him to his core, explaining, you know, I know who you are. This is not who you are. You don't want to be doing this, and. I am trying to figure out in my head if Cage, what his subtext for this is. If Cage thinks he's talking to himself, every other actor who's working now, or what? Because it is, it was that, it, 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 I flashed on uh, Jean Favreau's Chef, which was yes. a really interesting movie about... Yes. John Favreau explaining that, okay, I used to make these really small movies and then I made Iron Man and Iron Man 2 and Cowboys and Aliens and now I'd like to make this really small movie again and this is really what I love and then he turned around and made another huge monstrous piece of crap, whatever it was. So it's like, it's like yeah, well, yeah. I, don't, I don't know what you are now. I don't buy you either way now. I don't know what you want to be. I, I, both of them seem fake to me now. And so I'm curious... That, you know, that speech is the same. I would love to direct that speech at Nicolas Cage and know what he would think and do. Yeah. But that said, that's not the only reason the speech is fascinating and really good. It is a really beautifully written monologue. And it is. It's a showcase for Cage. He just gets to show off. And, and he's great at it. Mm-hmm. I'm not even, I, you know, it is a showstopper in the best sense of the word. Uh, and it's worth seeing the movie just for that speech, quite frankly. <laughs> well, it's interesting because there are parts of the movie I don't want to spoil anything that called to mind fight club. Oh yes. Oh yes. Oh, there's an underground fight club in the movie. I don't think that's a spoiler. Okay. I think just saying that is enough because what it is, is so weird that that's not a spoiler. Yeah. Yeah. And, and yet this was the scene where it reminded, like it's a, it's a version of a Tyler Durden speech that he's giving sort of. Yes. Um, Yes. Except, you know, I buy it coming from him. And I think Tyler Durden, as we've talked about, it's kind of full of shit, but Yes, but yeah. A, go ahead. No, and it, and it is like there's a very powerful line I think in there that Cage sells, which is people don't have you don't have a lot of things to care about. Like you're not given a lot of things to care about, and yes, and that's great. And I think in the movie that's powerful for his character, that's powerful. But you're right. I'm watching that going. You just did Willy's Wonderland. <laughs> like, like you just did the movie where you fought animatronic bears. Um, yes. So, I, yeah, I'm, I'm con- confused about that. Um, I've always thought Nicolas Cage is sometimes in on the joke on some of his bad movies. I think he, oh, yeah. he understands that they're not great. I don't think he always gets, I think he definitely sleepwalks through some of the trash, but uh, then every once in a while, he'll come out and do something like this. And uh, I love it when he does. The problem is predicting the ones in which he's going to do that. Right. Uh, Yeah. I just wait now and let people tell me that this is the one I need to check out. And I'm glad I did. 
Um, it's also just it's a very beautiful movie to look at. Oh, yeah, it's gorgeously made. I don't think the director, Michael Cernoski, has done anything before. I'm looking that up right now. He's done a lot of uh, TV. But um, no, this is his first feature. And it's it's really a gorgeous movie. I think he tells it very well. Um, I, I was tempted in the early scenes. I, I also did not know going into this that it actually took place in modern day. So Oh, okay. I was at first getting a first cow vibe <laughs> off this. I thought this was going to be like a... Nicholas not unreasonable. first cow um, yes. and then the car shows up and I'm like oh it's modern day um, but yeah I <laughs> I liked this I, I think first cow pig lamb I mean we're getting all the barnyard animals in, in the prestige movies we're getting year. back to nature yeah we're gonna connect with the earth again yes no it's definitely worth seeing I, I think it is uh, I, I think it knowingly subverts what you think it's gonna be I, I think it does have an idea of what people expect it to be and then goes in a different direction i think it does it very well um yeah and i don't think it even like i don't even want to say that like i don't think it does once you start watching it 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 isn't really you know it's it's never taken it really isn't i mean it's it's just the setup it's just the premise in no way do you think it's going to be that movie especially once you start watching it and i i I was relieved by that I felt like vague spoilers going into the uh, fight club sequence. My first thought was, Oh, is this when it turns into John wick? Um, Yes. And then, and, and I, but I think it kind of, I don't know if this was intentional, but I think there is a thing where you're thinking this is a Nicolas Cage movie. Of course, this is going to be how weird it's going to get. And then it doesn't in that scene, it proves out that no, that's not the way it's going. He yeah. makes a choice in that scene that at that point I'm like, oh, I don't know what this movie is now, but I'm really curious to see what it is. Yeah. Um, Once you realize when that scene's over what that scene was about, yes. you're like, oh, we're doing this. Mm-hmm. Well, that's interesting. Let's keep watching this then. Let's, I'm fully invested. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That is Pig. You can actually see it on most VOD platforms. I rented it. Um I, th- I can't remember how much I paid, but it's out there. Rent it. It's good to see. Um, and now I think we're going to come to the big battle of the evening, <laughs> which is uh, Wes Anderson's The French Dispatch. Uh, I actually saw this 10 minutes after I got out of Last Night in Soho. Um, I did a double <laughs> feature. I did a double feature. And I've got to say, it was very interesting to go to Last Night in Soho uh, which is a movie where a very stylistic director is taking some chances and doing something a bit new and then go into a Wes Anderson movie where the only review I need is it's a Wes Anderson movie. <laughs> if, if, if you like what he does, you are going to like the French dispatch. If you are getting a little tired of Wes Anderson, this is not going to make you feel better. Um, so I guess the question comes, where do we fall on Wes Anderson? And Perry, you posed a question on Facebook that I would like you to pose again, because I think <laughs> it's, a, it's a very interesting end to this. Okay, game. to be fair, and I realized after I'd sent it and saw the first reaction, I was like, oh, I just, I phrased it wrong. This isn't, the internet is not the best place to ask this question. Because I do, I truly do not mean it as snarky as it sounds. Mm-hmm. I meant this to be a kickoff for a conversation about much more than Wes Anderson. I just had it while watching this movie. Mm-hmm. And the simple question is, is it possible for an artist's style to become a prison? And all I mean by that with Wes is, with Wes especially, is that style is, there, there, are, there are two things about it now that I find problematic. One is that it's it's so regimented, it's it's boring. I know what it's gonna look like. It's not surprising. If unless I truly just in sheerly enjoy the aesthetics of it, it's boring. And I don't always enjoy the sheer aesthetics of it. And especially when it repeats so endlessly as it does throughout this movie. The other problem I have with West specifically is, and we've talked about this before, I I think he is at heart 
as an artist, I'm not talking about as a human. I don't mean in any way other than he's really immature. He's really adolescent and immature. And that's, can, that's, that's not a knock. I think he's only at his most interesting when he is willing to actually deal with real adult human pain. And when he's willing to go near that, I think he's way more interesting. Uh, that's why Tenenbaums is his is his best movie for me. Uh, and when he when he respects that and understands and allows for genuine adult regret, pain, and damage to enter the frame, which is why I hate the stuff with the kids in Moonrise Kingdom. I think the stuff with the adults is great. I re- I really do, and I don't like the film on the whole. But I think the stuff with Francis McDormand and Bill Murray in that movie is spectacular. Oh yeah. Um, and this is, and so, and it's also why, wow, I've, I've gone really long-winded on this. No, you're good, you're good. It's the other reason why I, I truly, and again, I don't say this to be mean. He should just work with stop, stop motion animation. Those two films are spectacular because a little kid trying to reconnect with his dog is exactly the emotional tenor that Wes Anderson can deal with. That He can make that vibrant and real for me. <laughs> he is that adolescent. And that and that childlike and not not in a good way <laughs> often. But when you direct that and you direct that kind of care into the visuals at a story that that simple uh, with an emotional through line that that pure, it really works for me. I, I I love those two films. And this to me, you know, after the after the so the, the whole film is laid out pretty much like an ep, like an issue of the French, the last issue mm-hmm. of the French Dispatch, which is a New Yorker knockoff. He the, this is the 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 dedication at the end of the film is to the dozen people you most associate with the history of the New Yorker. It's once you get through the opening and uh, Owen Wilson's characters travel along through the town that that, that they're located in. I'm like, I could leave now. I've gotten everything. I'm going to get out of this. There's no, there's nothing left to do. And so then there's three short films after this. The first one's the best one by far. I think a lot of that has to do with uh, bringing someone new into the Wes Anderson universe. <laughs> Benicio Del Toro is uh, really wonderful and mm-hmm. does what any good Wes Anderson actor should do, which is not much. Just play it. Yeah. Just play it the way it's written. Uh, he is, he is a man who is able, he's an actor who's able to communicate genuine loss and pain just by looking at him. And that's why he's really good <laughs> for Wes. And, um, I found the last, I found the last half of the movie, uh, boring. I was just bored. I was bored. Didn't okay. care about the stories. I got tired of looking at it because it was the same series of shots over and over and over. He's now just not only is he bothering to build dioramas, he's now putting people in them and not letting them move. And that's going to be interesting. If you are all in on the Wes Anderson aesthetic, I don't know why you just don't then keep working with clay. I don't understand what he gets out of working with actors anymore. (laughs) And so I was left with, well, this is, this is a trifle. And I can, as good as Wes Anderson's visuals are, they're just so consistent that they're not interesting to me anymore. He's got to put a good story around them. You know, you, you bring up Edgar Wright before this. Edgar Wright can work in a variety of styles. I want a film to have a style. I want a director to be capable <laughs> of many styles. And if you're not, you better find an interesting way to use your visuals. Uh, each time out and Wes Anderson it doesn't all the time for me that's where I am this is tied with Pig as the number one movie of the year no I'm, I'm kidding <laughs> <laughs> and just the second story <laughs> no, no, no okay the second story is this so opinion. let me let me get let me guess here this is also not the movie that got won you over for Timothy Chalamet let me uh, this is not the movie that won me over for Timothy Chalamet all right um, okay as much as I love Francis McDormand that was the yes. story that I just I, I I feel like he was going for something. I don't know if he was going for a political piece there or something of loss of I don't know what that story was really about about. Um I, I didn't care for that one. I thought there were some really fun visual flourishes in that one, uh, where he actually like 
plays and turns turns at parts into a stage like into a stage show almost where the setting like plays pulls apart like you're on stage i like his aesthetic um when i think of when i think of him i i think it often kept me at a remove from his work early on um and i think it does sometimes keep me from connecting emotionally in the minute because it's very artificial and i have a hard time like moving past that artifice to see like real people in that um but what i was surprised with was I left this pretty cool on it and it's come back to me that there are parts of this movie I'm quite taken with. Um, I, I was kind of being facetious when I said we'd, we'd be at it um, because Wes Anderson, and I'm going to ramble here, but Wes Anderson is someone who I have like historically had a hard time with. Um, I remember watching Rushmore when I was like 18 and I hated it. I, I despised it when I first saw wow. it. Wow. I, I and I mean, granted, I was like a freshman in college at that point. And uh-huh. I like I was I didn't know what he was doing. And like, why is everything so mannered and artificial? And it like it I really responded negatively to that. And over time he's kind of won me over because I like watching the characters play around in that. And I really like Tenenbaums and I've gone back to Rushmore and I really like Rushmore. Um but then there's stuff like Life Aquatic that just kind of bounces off me. Um, I don't even think I saw Isle of Dogs. Oh, it's great! I, I Sorry, Isle of Dogs is great. As is, uh, as is Fox. I think oh, Fox I love Fantastic Dogs are superb. Um, but I really, his last two, I really liked. I liked Moonrise Kingdom quite a bit. Um, I was okay with the kid stuff. It made me laugh. I thought it was sweet. I think the adult stuff in it is by far the best stuff in the movie. Um, I really love, I think Grand Budapest Hotel was my favorite movie the year it came out. Uh, and I thought it was the first time that he provided a reason for why he goes to the style he goes to. Um, it, it is a movie about why someone would go to such great pains to make yes. so ornate. And I appreciate that. It was kind of like my movie that unlocked Wes Anderson for me. Good. That's good. Um, I think there's a little bit of that in the French Dispatch. This is a, like you said, it, it's a, but it, it's on the surface an ode to journalists, but it's really an ode to artists, right? Because every story also has someone who does some form of art, whether it's a painter, it's a person who does a, you know, makes a manifesto, it's a culinary artist. They all have some art form that they're doing to fill some sort of hole in their life. And I think this is Wes Anderson looking at that and examining maybe his reasons for doing it even if he doesn't wrap his arms around it there's a there's a scene near the end of the third story that i think kind of wraps that around a little bit to why people keep throwing themselves at making these works of art and they're trying to fill something they're chasing some emotional thing and i found that very moving i thought he experimented a little bit here um i i like these story structures this is full of stories that delve into other stories and there's an interview where they're telling the story and we flash and see that and then there's a story within that and I thought that was really intricate and clever he does some things with color that I I appreciated Um, he he shows color at certain sequences when there's something affecting about a work of art or a work or there's some piece of emotion coming in Um, I don't know that it all works but I, I enjoyed this one why the cartoon at the end because it's Wes Anderson right if, okay, I will say, visually, I love to sit and watch what he does. I am someone who loves watching that aesthetic. Um, and I love the way he plays around with that. I, I love knowing I'm going in and getting those beautiful compositions where everything's symmetrical. And it's just fun to watch. Where Everybody's I have right a, in the center of the frame. Everybody's okay kind that. of framed. We move exactly one full length of the screen over to something else that's locked in place. Yes. I've, yes. If you're into it, yes. I, I'm not knocking yeah. it in and of itself. Where I, I just have, think it's obvious. Where I have a harder time with what he does is with the dialogue. Um, and it might come down to that immaturity thing you talk about where his characters will talk in a very deadpan way and then slip in. I don't know, some sort of just idiotic statement or dumb joke or something. And you always know it's coming. Like you, you can see them coming a mile where they'll just undercut it with like, oh, you didn't expect that character to, to curse. You didn't expect that character to say something that's stupid. And he does it a lot. And I, I, I just, I don't find that funny. I find him visually 
very fun to watch. I think there are some very playful sequences, even just the opening establishing shot of the building where the French dispatch is published. And you watch, you know, you watch someone moving up and down through all the rooms and it's fun to watch. And I I don't know. I I think the Benicio del Toro one has some really good visual comedy uh, involving, you know, the art put onto the prison walls and things like that. Um, It is the best of the three. By it far. is the best of three. I, I enjoyed I enjoyed the third one. Um, I don't know why it went to the cartoon, but I had fun watching the cartoon. Part of me wonders if Wes Anderson just cannot film an action sequence because he'd have to move the camera a little bit. Um, so he, you know, animation's a way to do it. But I, I appreciated that story. I thought it was a fun story. And I, I thought it moved to a... I, I like Jeffrey Wright in that. I will like everything Jeffrey Wright does. I'm, um, I, am, I am with you for the most part. Jeffrey Wright left unchecked will go off the rails. But yes, when Jeffrey Wright is invested, yes, he's excellent. Yes, and he's kind of like James Baldwin in this, uh, that very closely modeled after James Baldwin. Um, But I I thought there were some moments of real pathos that he had and real drama. Um, I don't think it all connects to anything. I don't think there's, you know, I, I, I don't feel at the end that, I'm moved by the magazine ceasing publication or anything no, like that. No. Um, but I like the stories in there. I like that they they feel okay. At the end of the day, what it did feel like is I sat down and I did leave through the New Yorker and I read some really interesting stories that made me laugh and they were the sentences were composed so well. And maybe there's a little more attention uh, given to the composition of the sentences than the actual story that's being told. But at the end of the day, I enjoyed the experience of reading it. I also would put down the issue of the New Yorker and not think about the issue of the New Yorker much again, except for a germ of a story that keeps getting back. (laughs) Um, I don't like it as much as Grand Budapest or something like that, but I I did enjoy it. And I, I found certain moments have stuck with me Um, images and, and, you know, that's good. I'm glad I have Wes Anderson to do that. I think by now I've accepted Wes Anderson isn't going to make his horror movie or Wes Anderson's not going to make his- Saturday uh, Night Live took care of that for us. Yes. Remember, you can always watch that trailer. Yeah, he's not going to make, I don't think he's ever going to make a big sweeping drama. He's going to do his little thing. He did. Tannenbaums. <laughs> that <Yes>. is fantastic. <laughs> but, you know, he has his little corner he likes to play in. Um, the, the, the question you asked, I've been thinking about it since you asked it on Facebook, actually. Yeah. Because I do think there are directors who they get into that that style and it does become suffocating. And I like Tim Burton was the first one to come. Yes, absolutely. And when I think of that, I think of someone who, yeah, Tim Burton can maybe put together an interesting visual. But I don't have there's no soul in any Tim Burton movie anymore. I don't. Well, aside from big eyes, I do like I like big eyes. And Ed Wood. And actually, Edward Scissorhands. Okay, there, well, he's, I think he, I meant last 20 years. He can. Yes, he can. fair. He, he can. Mm-hmm. That's, what's, that's what's so distressing and infuriating about Burton is he just won't. Yeah. He doesn't try. He would rather just latch on to some well-known title and throw his imagery at it. It's, and it's, it's lazy. And when he does that, I don't feel him... There's not a playfulness about it. There's not any sense of exploration. No. It's just, here's that thing I do. Give me money, Disney. Um, whereas Wes Anderson, yeah, I do think he's he's pushing himself at least to take some visual, I don't want to say risks, but he's playing with the visuals. He's finding new corners of his little prison to play in. He's, he's <laughs> I, I, I still get the sense that he's exploring that. He's doing what he wants to do, but I think he's finding things that are interesting about that. I think it's very interesting that his first few films were very much concerned with exploring family relationships and things like that. Grand Budapest Hotel is very much about why would you waste, you know, spend all this time making something this intricate and ornate and, you know, why, you know, it's about why someone does that. There's a lot of that in this movie too, which is why are we fascinated by people who create works of art? Why would you put all that time in, you know, putting something on a wall that is going to stay at a prison for their, they're searching for something. And I, I think that's something he's exploring that I don't know if he gets his arms around it, but I appreciate him searching for it. Fair. 
So it, yeah. I, I enjoyed the French Dispatch. Um, and you know, if there were no Wes Anderson movies, mm-hmm. I might like this a lot more. That's fair. I, truthfully, that's I mean, I, I have it through that lens. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to judge. I mean, I and knowing there are Wes Anderson films that I think are far more successful. <laughs> that exist that I would point someone towards if you want to understand or get into this aesthetic. But yes, I, I and I, I, that's, that's just how I, it's how I come to movies. We like what we yeah. like because of our prejudices, not despite of them. Yep. Yep. So that is the French dispatch Dune and pig Perry. Do we have anything else to say about these three movies? No, but other than they're, it's a good triple feature. It is talking about yeah, you just you're just gonna wildly shift, just giant, just you know, neck brace, whiplash, go back and forth between these three movies. Fantastic. It is a if you think about it, if you think about it, pig, dune, and French dispatch are kind of like a ham sand (laughs) witch on French bread. Nice, nice. That was not sweaty at all. And a lot of Chalamet. You'll spend a lot of time with Timothy Chalamet. He, I'm sure I'll come around to him one day. Um, but oh, yeah, I hope you would. I hope you I, would. I, okay, I'm being overly mean. I think it is one of those things. He's where... very good in Lady Bird. He's very good in he Little is. Women. I like him. I'm not saying he's a great actor. I'm not saying he's the next great thing. But I, he's got a fabulous look. You and know, I think it, he can act. I like his face. I, I, mean, I, well, I, I mean that as an actor. I don't mean he's pretty to look at. I think he's interesting. I think it's one of those things where it's just someone who it's like in, he was in what, two big movies within the space of a year, two or three, because there was, yeah, there was Little Women, Lady Bird, and, oh, those weren't the same year, Lady Bird and Little Women, because it was the same director. But, but but yeah, I mean, within that span of time, and then call me, call me by your name, and I think it just was this total embrace of him, that something about that always, he's not that great. Um, but I, I, I don't think I've ever disliked a role he's in. I think Dune might be the one where I was like, he's a little, li- little light for this role. But I also think it's a role I've seen many times before. So, yeah. Yeah, you know, that, that's probably not his fault. I will, give, I will keep giving Timothy Chalamet more tries. I can't say I will do that with Eddie Redmayne. <laughs> well, that's because you didn't see, was it this? Ascending Jupiter, descending Jupiter, whatever that piece of crap was. No, but yeah. I've, I've I've seen his scenes from it. It's awful. Where he and whispers they, and yells. The movie's terrible. I have terrible. Heard that. He's awful in it. Oh my god, that's a terrible movie. Wait, wait. Are you saying? Are you saying that the Wachowskis made a bad movie? So many. They made <laughs> so many bad movies. I'm I'm that person who believes that the best movie they ever made was Bound. Okay. I, I don't think I'd argue. <laughs> Although I I do like The Matrix a lot, but. That, I didn't that say I didn't say it was the only good movie. So it was the <laughs> did I? I did say it was their only good movie. Okay, yeah, that's an overstatement. It. It's their best movie. Uh, yeah, The Matrix is fine. I'll so go to don't watch for, any of the sequels. Yes, but, don't watch the sequels for The Matrix. I'll go to bat for Speed Racer. Speed Racer is um, an interesting exercise in style. Yes, um, I don't I don't mind Speed Racer's existence. But Cloud Atlas, that ain't that great, and that's the true true. Cloud Atlas is awful, and Descending Jupiter is even worse. <laughs> As is that third Matrix movie. That's a giant. So is the second Matrix movie. Those sequels suck. Well, let's see what happens <laughs> next month with the fourth Matrix movie. Yeah, I'll be sitting down in front of HBO Max for that too. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's Christmas weekend, so I will definitely be watching that one on HBO Max. Um, all right, Perry, before we go, where can people find you? You can find me on Facebook. You can hear me every Friday on WLBY and Anna Arbor on the Lucian Lance show. I am Perry Loves Film on Twitter. Chris, where can we find you? You can find me on Twitter at Mere Christianity. Um, I think you'll be able to listen to the Seeing and Believing podcast in the next week or so. I will be on there talking last night in Soho. Um, but really the best place to find me, find my newsletter, Criticisms, which really kicked into high gear in October. Um, I think I published more pieces there than I had published in a long time. I think I did three a week on old movies and new movies. And that's continuing. This week I have a full review of Pig. I have uh, thoughts on Singing in the Rain as a movie I am thankful for. And then uh, when this comes out on Friday, I am starting a series called Franchise Fridays, where every week I'll be breaking down a movie from a beloved franchise. I almost said French fries. 
Um, I'll be breaking that. Eat French fries while doing it. Um, That's what you should do. Usually I'm trying to, to kind of land that along the release of a new movie in the franchise. So unfortunately that means this month I'm starting high with Ghostbusters and then we're going into the Ghostbusters sequels and remakes and might not be as fun after that. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, there's a Ghostbusters piece on there right now that I quite like, and I still quite like Ghostbusters. So, uh, so read that and uh, give me a subscription if you're so inclined. It's free. You, you were kind of shaking your head at Ghostbusters. No, it's a weird, like, it's a, it is a, I don't think Ghostbusters is good. I love it. That is exactly what I said. Like Ghostbusters yeah, is a movie that is not about anything. It 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 it's it really funny. Work. It's it, still it, it really just, funny. It it is. Yeah. All but right. It's it's yeah. 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 And that's why the sequels don't work. But for more of that, subscribe to Criticisms. There's some good stuff coming there. We'll be back in a few weeks. We will talk Mash. We will get into Robert Altman. I promise that it's coming, and I am looking forward to it. We'll see you in a few weeks.